You're listening to the Harbor Worship Center podcast with Pastor Mike Saint. For more information about the Harbor Worship Center, please visit us at harborwc.com. Enjoy today's message. Minutes now, so I've got something to do. Amen. Now, unless the Lord, I mean, the Spirit comes in, you know, we may all go to glory and ain't no telling what we'll do. But that's okay. But I want to welcome you and I want to talk with you about the power of baptism. If I could direct your attention to Paul's letter to the Colossians in chapter number 2, verse 11, he says, When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by the physical procedure. In other words, not with a knife. And all you brethren said, Amen. He said, when you came to Christ, you were circumcised not by the physical procedure, that Christ, but Christ performed a spiritual circumcision. The cutting away of your sinful nature. As you know, circumcision is the, uh, obviously the cutting away of flesh. And Paul uses the analogy and says, Christ performed on you a spiritual circumcision. And then he says, for you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. You were buried with him when you were baptized. And with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins. Look at your neighbor and say, you were dead. Because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. You had not yet been circumcised spiritually. Y'all with me? Then God made you alive with Christ and forgave you of all your sins. Somebody ought to say amen. He canceled the record of charges against us and took away, took it away by nailing it to the cross. In other words, he took the bill of indictment against us. That bill of indictment that was returned not from a grand jury but from Satan himself and he's the accuser of the brethren. That's what an indictment is, is an accusation. He says Jesus Christ took the bill of indictment and nailed it to the cross. Amen. He says that, that he nailed it to the cross and in this way he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them by his public victory over them on the cross. We ought to say thank God for the cross. Amen. The cross is an ugly picture of a beautiful salvation. Are you with me? Say amen. But because in it while I was a sinner and you were a sinner, God commended his love toward me in Romans 5 and 8 that while I was steeped in sin, Christ, his son, died for the ungodly. That was me and you. So Today I want to talk with you, I want to ask you a question, what does baptism mean? What are the implications of baptism? I'll tell you what it don't mean real quick. It doesn't mean that I just come in and get dunked and wear a shirt that says I got dunked or I got baptized or whatever the latest slogan or saying is or, or you know, uh, and then go about life just like you've always been going about life. Without, that, without the circumcision of the heart then that water means nothing. That water is, is there for a purpose. The baptism is done for a reason. But if we walk away undaunted, unchanged, unchallenged, all we do is become a wet sinner. Now, let, let me just say, the Bible records a number of instances where we see symbolism of baptism. Even way back in the Old Testament, 
In fact, I think about the Exodus. You remember the Exodus from Egypt? The second book of the Bible is named after. It's called Exodus. It means exit. Are you with me? The Exodus was written because the children of Israel had been in Egypt for 430 years. And God raised up a guy by the name of Moses, amen, and who was thrown into the Nile River and literally dipped out. That's what his name, or plucked out, rescued out of the Nile. His name means drawn out. And God would use him to draw Israel out of Egypt. And although God got Israel out of Egypt, he had a hard time getting Egypt out of Israel. Some of y'all will catch that on your way home. Amen. But the Bible, the book of Exodus, the coming out of bondage, it represented coming out of Egyptian rule, coming out of bondage, coming out of hardship. So that is one symbol. Then there's another symbol, and that is the circumcision of the, the flesh. That is that every male Jew born on the eighth day, two things happened. He was named, and then he was brought into the Abrahamic covenant. Circumcision was a sign of the Abrahamic covenant. Now, the religious people uh, in the New Testament would talk and say, well, unless you've been circumcised, you're not part of the Abrahamic covenant. I don't know who was checking, to be honest with you. I mean, it just passed my mind that way. Uh, but nonetheless, Paul would simply say, in Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek. Greek. There is neither circumcision nor uncircumcision. That, you know, um, we are one in Jesus Christ and His blood has cleansed us from all unrighteousness and made us righteous before God. So then circumcision availeth nothing. You know what the Old Testament writer said? He said, it is time for you to rend uh, that is to tear. To He said, because in the Old Testament, people would get mad, and, and people still do it today, they'd get mad and they'd rip their shirt off. And, and, and the prophet said, it's time for you to rend your heart and not your garments. He said, get mad, but get mad in your own heart. So we have the exodus as a symbol, the circumcision as a symbol, and then you have the flood of Noah. You remember Noah's flood? There was eight people that were saved in Noah's flood. Uh, Noah and his wife, Ham, Sham, and Japheth, and their wives. And, and so we see this, this mercy. We see the grace of God as Noah and his family found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And they were drawn out and saved even though the world flooded. <clears throat> so we see a picture. And then most commonly, baptism, the most common reference, and I'll save this, I'll just say it, is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and I'll save that for a little bit later. But... Um, Following the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, he instructed his disciples to do this. Go make disciples of all nations and command them the things that I have instructed you. Watch this. He says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe whatsoever things I've commanded you. How many of you think that we ought to follow the Word of God? If Jesus gave an example to do something, we ought to do it. Amen? If we don't do it, then we're not, we're not, we're in rebellion. Let me just say it like that. Mark also records the commission this way. He said, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized shall be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. I want you to understand that baptism is always associated with belief. In other words, when you come to know Jesus Christ, now listen, if you got saved and baptized when you were seven years old, that's great. Praise the Lord for it. I did too. And then when I was a little older, I, you know, decided to 
do some things that I shouldn't have been doing, live a lifestyle that I shouldn't have been living. And then when I rededicated my heart to the Lord, I got baptized again. Listen, if you got baptized back when you were 12 or back when you were 30 or 40 or 50, and then you lived a sinful life, you ought to be baptized again. That simply says, all of that has passed away. Now let me make sense out of it for you, if I may. Let me say this. Baptism plays a very important role in the Gospels, of Matthew especially. Matthew begins the ministry of John the Baptist with baptism. Immediately following John's call for repentance and baptism. He he would say, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And then John would baptize them in the Jordan River. Now you all know the Jordan River had uh, sewage in it. Brother Eddie was apologizing to me. He said, man, there's a few leaves on my ladder. I didn't mean that. I said, don't worry about it. The Jordan had sewage in it. Y'all all all right with a couple leaves? I I am. I was just wondering. But anyway, uh, and Mark helped y'all out. He even put heaters in here. What in the world? Um, But nonetheless, Matthew begins the gospel with the baptism of John and concludes his book with the baptism of Jesus. Or with Jesus' command to be, baptized, to be baptized. So with the beginning and the end, I would submit to you that with something beginning and ending, in other words, primacy, recency, we, we find the importance that is there because he mentioned at the beginning of the book and at the end of the book. So questions for us to consider. Can, can one accept or reject the baptism at will? Is baptism essential for salvation? No. <clears throat> The thief on the cross. You remember three crosses Jesus was dying? One of them said, uh, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus looked at him and said, This day thou shalt be with me in paradise. Right? Another one railed on him and said, If thou art the Christ, save thyself and us. If you're the Christ. Let me say this. That repentant thief, the one that he said, Today you'll be with me in paradise. He didn't have time to go get baptized. Are you with me? He didn't have time to go get baptized. There are men and women that get saved, they accept Jesus Christ on their deathbed. They ain't got time to go get baptized. So I'm not saying that you have to be baptized in water to go to heaven. I'm saying this, you ought to be if you have the opportunity and you're healthy enough to do it. Who wouldn't want to be baptized and align themselves with the church and with Jesus Christ? Let me, let me go further. Um, is it from heaven? Yes, it is from heaven. So then how can we refuse it? Is it a sign of God's grace? Yes, it is a sign of God's grace. So how should, or why should we refuse it? Jesus replied, um, you know, they were talking to him. He entered the temple courts and he was teaching the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him. They said, by what authority are you doing these things? They asked him, who gave you this authority? Can you imagine talking to Jesus that way? And Jesus replied and said, I'll tell you what. I will ask you one question. If you'll answer me, then I'll tell you by whose authority I'm doing these things. I love the way Jesus answered a question, sometimes will a question. <clears throat> he said, um, John's baptism. Y'all remember that? Yeah, 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 we, we got it. Where did it come from? Was it from heaven or was it from men? It is obvious that John's baptism came from heaven and not from men. Uh, For one to cast off baptism, God's heavenly design for the believer is to discard the counsel of God. And the people had thronged themselves. They came out to John and John baptized them and said, Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And as you well know, Jesus himself come. And John was there in the river. And Jesus come to him. That was their cousins. And he says, John baptized me and... 
And, and, and John says, not so, my Lord. I have need to be baptized of thee. In fact, John had told the people, I indeed baptize thee with water, but one cometh after me, preferred before me, the latchet of whose shoes I'm not worthy to stoop down and unloose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire, the Holy Ghost and fire. And then one day, John was still baptizing and preaching. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Everybody that repented lined up. They got baptized. Are you with me? Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. All of a sudden, John looked one day through the crowd and said, Behold! The Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. He walked to him and he said, Baptize me, John. And John says, I have need to be baptized of thee. And Jesus said, No, but to fulfill the scripture, baptize me. John took him in his arms, held the Son of God, and baptized him in the Jordan. Baptizio. He plunged him into the water and pulling him back up, heaven opened up and the throne of God was seen. God echoed and said, this is my beloved son. Look, there's people all around the banks. This is my beloved son. Here comes a dove flying down, lighting upon him because the prophecy had been, it is the one that I light upon. That is him. Are you with me? I'm not saying the Holy Ghost was the dove. I said the dove symbolized the Spirit of the Lord resting upon him. So should I be baptized? Absolutely. I am no better than my Lord. And if he who lived a sinless life, a perfect life, stood before the crowd that day and says, John, baptize me. Huh? Then we ought to be baptized if we've accepted him as Lord and Savior. It was later in my life where when, I, when things really met the road. I was a junior, actually, in high school when I finally said, this is it. This is it. And I'll never forget, man, we, uh, Kelly and I, we shortly, uh, you know, after high school, got married, joined the service. I remember being baptized and saying, this is the no turning back deal right here. Are you with me? Well, let me move on. Um, when the Pharisees and the experts in the law rejected baptism... You know what they did? They were rejecting the purpose of God for themselves. For me, a believer, to reject baptism is to say that I, I reject the plan of God for my life. For me to say I don't want to be baptized says, this is my ecology here. You're not going to find this in the Bible. It simply says I'm ashamed of who saved me. It got a little quiet, didn't it? I know that was going to sting a little bit, but that's how it is. That's the way I see it. I told you it's my college. It's not in the Bible. This is the way I see it. In other words, if I'm not going to be baptized, if, I, if I'm not going to represent him, maybe I'm ashamed of him. And you know what the Word says? If we're ashamed of him, he'll be ashamed of us. Let me show you. Here's what baptism symbolizes. Hey, I want to tell you something. We, we got, we're scheduled to baptize 30. I don't care if we baptize all 300 or whatever. Whoever comes, that's who we'll baptize. Baptism symbolizes this. Baptism symbolizes our spiritual union with Christ and it speaks of a choice that we have made. So baptism says to everybody who sees me, go under. I have decided to follow Jesus. It says I've made a choice and that is my choice. It is symbolized, watch this, and be careful not to miss this. It is symbolized by our transfer of loyalties and allegiances. It really causes me problems when I see someone who carries a Christian banner. They post all kind of Christian stuff on Facebook, but you never see them in the house of God. 
not saved. Oh, wait a minute, Pastor. My mother's in the nursing home. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people who abandon the house of God. Now, I'm not saying you've got to make every service. For heaven's sake, I'm probably not going to make all of them this year. I'm simply saying that people who love God want to go to God's house. They want to show the world that I love Him. They want to get involved. Listen, there's a transfer of loyalties. In other words, the things of God become important to you, and it is evident, I mean, rather, it is evident in the way you plan your calendar. It is evident the way you plan and order your life and your finances. It's getting tight, but it's right. Are y'all with me? Say amen. It amazes me that we want all of the symbolism. We say, yeah, I got the shirt and I love my church and I'm dunked and I got wet for the Lord and all of that. But listen, it's more than that. There's a transfer of loyalties. There's a transfer of allegiances. We ally ourselves with the church of which Christ is the head. So uh, baptism is an outward indication. It is an outward sign of an inward work of grace. You see... We're willing now to, uh, to share this change that is taking place in our life. I'll tell you, when people get genuinely saved, you know what? They can't shut their mouth about Jesus. They can't shut up about their church. And you know, that works two ways, though. If they really get disgruntled and the devil gets after them real good, they can't shut up about the church either. But it's not the same way. But nonetheless, when we get head over heels in love with Jesus, we just cannot help but talk to people about Him. We love Jesus. We want to be a part of His church. We want to do things for Him. Listen, baptism is then the symbol of our new birth. Born again. That's what they say. You a born again believer? Yes, born again. You see, if I'm born again, I only have to... You know the Bible says, Hebrews 9 27. It is appointed unto every man once to die. That's you too, ladies, gender neutral. Every one of us is appointed one time to die. And after that, the judgment. But the Bible says if we stand at the judgment seat of Christ, and he says, depart from me, you work of iniquity, for I know you not, that, the Bible says, is the second death. But if we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, guess what? We've been born twice. we only got to die once. Huh? But if we don't accept Jesus, we're born once, we die twice. If we don't accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, guess what? You're going to die physically and that spiritual death. That, and that death is what it is, is an annihilation. It is a separation from the Lord. So, but, but what is baptism? Baptism symbolizes this. I go down in the water. I, I identify with the death of Jesus. The burial of Jesus. The body died. Are you with me? And the water covers me over, symbolic of the earth covering me over, and everything's dead. Now, I'm going to tell you something. How many of y'all know we're living in the flesh? I know some of y'all are spiritual giants. You're so super spiritual, you ain't never done nothing wrong. Ask your wife. I know mine will tell you, I've, I've made some blunders. But every now and then, since we are in the flesh, the old man and the old woman will try to rise back up. Are you with me? And next thing you know, you'll be said something you shouldn't have said, done something you shouldn't have done. We have to crucify the old man again. But is the, the, 
going down, covered over, dead and buried. And then when we raise them up, and we raise them up, it says, now I'm raised in newness of life. It is not I that live, but Christ that lives in me. Huh? Yeah. It is Christ that lives in me. I have this testimony that I have changed my allegiance, that I have changed my alliance, if you will, that I have changed my loyalties. I'm no longer loyal to everything else except God. I'm not saying that you, that you become disloyal to your job. and You know, I understand you've got to work. We get that. But when everything else takes priority over God and His house, there's problems. The Great Commission, he says, be baptized. Remember the day of Pentecost? I want to just give you a couple of examples um, before we baptize people. Luke informs us that Peter replied to those who had gotten saved, to those who repented. He says, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of the Lord, and you receive the gift of forgiveness and the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? So we see him there. Those who accept his message, they were baptized. were about 3,000 that day. And uh, uh, then Peter warned them and pleaded with them to save yourselves from this corrupt generation. He says, repent and be baptized. I think about Philip preaching a great revival in the city of Samaria. Luke records in chapter 8, I believe it was, when they believed, Philip preached the gospel to them. And guess what? They were baptized. You know, every time we see the, the preaching of the gospel that brings repentance, we find people wanting to be baptized. The Ethiopian church, Acts chapter 19, I believe it was, Luke records the, the Ethiopian eunuch. After the preaching of Philip the evangelist, he says, uh, they're driving along. In fact, he, he went and sat down beside this Ethiopian eunuch who was the driver for the queen. The eunuch's reading a scroll, and the, Philip says, Do you know where you're reading from? He said, Well, I don't know. I'm reading Isaiah's scroll, and it says he was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and like a sheep before shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He says to Philip, Is he speaking of himself or someone else? And the Bible says, Philip straightway opened his mouth and preached unto him Jesus. And we know that he preached the whole gospel because arriving upon a body of water, Philip says to, uh, rather the eunuch says to Philip, there is a body of water there. What would hinder me from being baptized? Philip said, if you believe in your heart, nothing will hinder you. He says, I believe. He said, stop the chariot. They stopped the chariot. Got out, went down into the water. Philip went through his routine and baptized him. As he came up, the Spirit of God whisked Philip away to his next revival. Are y'all with me? That's a pretty spiritual thing. I don't know what's going to happen this morning when I baptize some of you, but maybe I've got somewhere to be. I don't know. And then Saul of Tarsus was baptized. Uh, and then Cornelius uh, and those who received in his house, Peter says, can anybody forbid them from being baptized? Because, you know, you remember the Apostle Peter, he was a real prejudiced man. And the Lord showed him a vision of a sheet that was knit at four corners and all manner of four-footed beasts and creeping things. And the Lord said, Arise, Peter, kill and eat. And he said, No, so Lord, I've never eaten anything common or unclean. The Lord said, Don't call what I've cleansed common or unclean. I was not talking to him about what he was going to have for lunch. The Lord was talking to him about his prejudice in his heart because he felt like that salvation was only for the Jews. Even though he preached on the day of Pentecost, it's for you, for your children, as many as 
afar off. He didn't even believe what, unless he was only talking to Jews. Are y'all with me? Say amen. But, but the Lord showed him again another sheet, four corners. It's knit, four-footed piece. He said, arise, kill, and eat. This happened three times. And he says, uh, I've never eaten anything common or unclean. The Lord says, do not call what I have cleansed common or unclean. And about that time, he heard a knock at the door. And it was, a, uh, it, it was these brethren that come from Cornelius' house. They were, he was not supposed to go to Cornelius' house because these were Samaritans. Samaritans were half-breed Jews. But the Spirit of the Lord spoke to him and said, go with them, fearing nothing. They went down there. Guess what? Here's all. I didn't know they had life groups back then, but they did. So, so here he is in Samaria, and Cornelius has got his group together. He's got a bunch of Samaritans there, and then they come down with a bunch of Jews, and they get together. And about the fifth paragraph into the message, the Holy Spirit came in there, boom, and hit all of them. They began to speak in tongues and prophesy. And Peter looked around and said to the brethren, My goodness, matter of fact, he went back to Jerusalem. And he says to the brethren at Jerusalem, the leaders of the church there, he said, How could we forbid them any longer from being baptized with water and joining the church? Because I heard with my own ears that God saved them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied just like we did at the beginning. So, uh... God indeed wiped away the prejudice, the, the racism that existed there. He said, it's for all of us. And then we find the conversion of Lydia and, uh, uh, at Philippi and again being baptized. We find the Philippian jailer being baptized. We find them in Corinth being baptized. We find them in Thessalonica being baptized. What I'm saying is this. The Lord wants all of us to be baptized. If we've accepted Him as our Lord and Savior, we should indeed be baptized in water. It should be a testimony to the world that says, you know what? My loyalties have changed. From henceforth, you're going to see a different man, a different woman, a different child, a different teenager. That's just how it is. God desires, and I say this because anything that He said do, we ought to do. And it's even, it's doubly strong when he himself did it and said, do as I do. You remember when he um, washed his disciples' feet? Now, we don't have it set up for foot washing this morning, although you could dangle your feet right on over. Jesus, after the Last Supper, girded himself with a towel and he walked out and he began to wash his disciples' feet. And they said, you know... The loudmouth one was the Apostle Peter. He always put his foot in his mouth. And he says, Lord, not so. You'll never wash my feet. And Jesus looked at him and said, unless I wash your feet, you have no part nor lot with this ministry. He said the, the immortal words, if you will, not only, Lord, my feet, but my hands and my head also. In other words, what Peter had this kind of deal. God, if that's what you want me to do, if that's what I'm supposed to do, I'm all in. He just poured a bucket on me. And that's what, that's the attitude that, that new Christians, new believers, those who've accepted the Lord. I don't, you might be here 50 years old and you got saved when you're 35, haven't been baptized yet, you ought to be. It's a testimony that says, I'm not ashamed of Him. My allegiance have changed. Guess what? It also has a, a futuristic or an eschatological. That means end times. In other words, I'm believing when I'm baptized, I, like the Lord's Supper. I, I, I'm looking back to Calvary at what He did for me, and I'm looking to the rapture when He returns for me. This simply says, 
Guess what? Today or yesterday or whenever you got saved, I died to the old man. I died in Jesus Christ. But just as Jesus was in that tomb and raised, I'm now alive in newness of life. And not I that live, but Christ who lives in me. Amen. I'm excited about that. I'm excited about that. <clears throat> well, we've come to this point now. Um, I want to pray. We, we have uh, a lot of our youngsters on the other end that's coming um, right away now. We're going to have to tighten up and make some room for them. We've got some children that's going to be baptized from the, from the crew, the kids' crew. If you're new with us, that's what we call the kids, the, kids, the Harbor Kids' crew. But I want to pray right now. Here's what I want to pray because I want to pray. There might be somebody sitting right here right now that says, you know what, I haven't been baptized, but the Lord's dealing with me today. I want to be baptized. <clears throat> Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at harborwc.com. <laughs>